Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Hello, we're the Real Estate Women. I'm Colleen. I'm Tamara. I'm Crystal. And I'm Candy, and welcome to the Passive Income Podcast. In today's episode, I'm very excited. We have Amanda Neely here to talk about whole life insurance and some of the ways that you can use it that you may not be aware of. And that's why we've brought Amanda to our episode. Thanks for having me. Great to be here, ladies. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Um, Amanda Neely is the founder of Graham's Wealth Wisdom. She helped helps develop personalized financial strategies for individuals and profitability strategies for businesses. Her goal is to help people to take charge of their cash flow, leverage their assets, and increase their profitability in ways that would make their grandma proud. So could you explain to our listeners the benefits of life insurance um, while you're alive? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how long do you have? Um, (laughs) You talk a lot about it. that it really boils down to there's two like main ways to do life insurance. What most people are familiar with is term life insurance, which mm-hmm. I'll use a real estate analogy, knowing that's what your audience is going to be familiar with and what you ladies do. So term is like renting. You pay a premium, right? Like you're paying yeah. a rent every month or every year to live in that home. But once you leave the home if you you know you don't get anything back so if you outlive the term or if you ever cancel the policy you've just lost that money that you've paid into premium whole life insurance is like owning a home every time you pay a mortgage payment you own more and more of the equity in that home if you ever move or uh, sell the home you get a portion of that uh, equity back and you can also tap into that equity by home equity line of credit you know things like that What whole life does is it builds what's called a cash value that you can use throughout your lifetime in some really interesting ways, especially for real estate to boost the other parts of your financial portfolio that's not not connected to the whole life policy. And then there's also other um, things like living benefits if you get a chronic or terminal illness where you can actually advance the death benefit to cover your medical costs. Hopefully none of us ever have to do that. So we probably won't talk about that much today. It's more of the utilization of the cash value um, and so that you can do, you know, reduce the interest, uh, reduce the like interest that you pay to banks, uh, pay them less mm-hmm. because you're bringing your own money to the table, have emergency funds, have business growth funds, um, buy vacations, cars, all the things, the major things we do in life, we can use a whole life policy rather than like a savings account to do those same kind of things. Can you do a little bit more of a deep dive on actually, because that's a lot of information. How, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't think it to be true, Amanda. I'm just going to say. 
Yeah. Well, it, it goes back really to ancient Roman times. That's when they first had these things. They called them burial clubs, where just every day Roman citizens would get together, pile their money. And then if someone passed away, there was money there to take care of widows and orphans and cover the, you know, they would throw a big party like they would maybe in New Orleans today, right? Like cover all those costs. And they started seeing like, well, but there's needs between now and whenever the person passes away. There's things that the family needs um, or that people could do. We don't want just this pile of money just sitting there doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And so life insurance evolved from that um, really back in William Shakespeare's time is when it really started picking up again, um, really seeing people adopting it and and making, you know, kind of innovations to it over time, adding more math science and stuff like that behind it. And it really became this thing where you could um, build this equity, this cash value, and st and knowing you didn't have to wait until you died, but that you could still use it. So back in the early 1900s, families would use it to pay for their kid's wedding or when cars started becoming a thing, they'd buy cars with it. And then really in, 19, in the 1970s, 1980s is when real estate investors woke up and were like, oh, wait interest rates are super high at the bank. I have this cash value sitting in this whole life insurance policy. What if I used it? And what if I could get that cash value to be bigger at the beginning and grow more quickly? And there became this um, innovation within whole life insurance to really make it work for uh, real estate investors. Um, the, the guy who did that, his name is Nelson Nash. He was a real estate investor that came to he, uh, whole life insurance and saw oh, the bank was going to charge me this, but I've got this pile of money. How could, what if I used it instead of the bank's money? So when you say cash value for our listeners and for us on the podcast, could you uh, explain exactly what that means? Yeah, it's, so you have this death benefit. Let's just for fun, call it a million dollar death benefit. Mm -hmm. As you pay your premium, you own more and more of that death benefit that's yours. And that's called a cash value. Um, it can also be called a cash surrender value. So if you were to cancel the policy, that's what the money that you would get back. <coughs> but it's also, if you don't cancel the policy, the equity that you're building, that just like a HELOC, but a little different, you can tap into um, to take a policy loan from the general fund of life insurance company, pay it back on your own schedule, much lower interest than especially HELOCs right now are charging. And still have it growing for you within the policy because it's still there. You didn't actually touch your money. And it's it's really, so we work with mutual life insurance companies. They're owned by the policyholders. It's one of the things, you don't want just any whole life insurance. We should get into what mm -hmm. specifically types of life insurance do you want or what types of whole life work and what don't. Um, and as a mutual company, they represent the policyholders First and foremost, they have to operate in the benefit of the policyholders. And it's more like a co-op where that general fund, that pile of money that they're stewarding is ours, right? All of the policyholders, they're just stewarding it for us. And so it's very different than I'm buying a stock and I kind of own that stock, but I don't own the company. Maybe I get to vote, but I'd have to have a pretty big share for that vote to mean anything. Uh -huh. And they're operating for profitability, maybe a little bit stock ownership, but there's so many people in line in front of me as a stockholder of a company, right? With um, 
mutual life insurance companies, I'm first in line always. I've kind of expounded beyond your question there. <laughs> so, so Amanda, to go back to the um, your analogy, which I love about real estate, about it being renting versus owning. So does the policy work like, like parallel to a mortgage where the, you're paying a little more interest, like a little more premium up front and then the cash flow is building or could you elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's not um, like as you're building the policy, you don't have debt, right? It's not like you um, are required to make a payment. You're going to lose your home if you don't make okay. a payment. But um, the way that uh, we particularly, so I'm a bank on yourself professional. Um, what we call the specific way that we design whole life, we call it bank on yourself. So I'm going to refer to it that way. The way we design, okay. the way we design these bank on yourself policies, the premium's flexible. So your mortgage payment, if you wanted to adjust that, you can't. You can only pay more, but you can't right. pay less. No, right. With whole life, the <laughs> yeah. with bank and yourself properly designed whole life, the premium's flexible, so you can put in more or less. You can even stop okay. making payments after a set amount of time. We try to aim for seven years because there's some IRS okay. codes that mean that, that that's what sure. we should do for tax reasons. Um, but so you don't have to pay forever. And what you're, but it's it's like a home in that that equity then right. is building for you and um like ca cash can get stuck in the walls of your house it's hard to qualify if you just lost your job to get take a heloc or you know banks can still oh, call right. helocs all kinds of things it's a little safer sure. than that in terms of it's your cash you can use it how and when you want to you can repay it on your own schedule um so when you're tapping into that equity when you're using that equity to go buy a new property or invest in a syndication, you're you're not uh, beholden to a bank. You're not having to kiss the banker's finger. It's your money. You can use it how and when you want to. Nice. That's that's really okay. interesting. Um, that already just off the bat, not having too much information on whole life that answers a lot of questions and things that I thought and. Um, one thing I will say that is kind of a missing piece for me, um, when you're purchasing a whole life insurance policy, I guess, or you're starting one, I don't even know the correct verbiage, but um, how does, are you essentially purchasing, let's say, example, use a million dollars, a million dollar policy. So you're like, I want a million dollars whole life policy. Does that mean that you, all of a sudden you've purchased this million dollar bank account that you slowly start paying on and then eventually it becomes um, let's say a million dollars or how does that kind of work? How would one know what is my whole life worth right off the bat and how does that process start? Yeah. So what we do when we're working with individuals all across the U.S. is we start with a financial analysis where we get to know what are their goals, what are their dreams, what are they concerned about their money? And we actually design the policy first to fit in with those things and let the death benefit solve for itself. And if it's too little, we can always supplement it, do different things. But we start with how are we going to use a bank and yourself properly designed policy to reach these goals? Does it work? And if yes, what what about it works? And then once you actually start, um, you've gone through the rest of the process, you're ready to go. You would already have a list of each year. If this is what your premium is, is how much cash value you have. And here's what your death benefit would be. So you can plan that way, get a nice projection. 
of what and the projections are super accurate. Mine, I've seen it be off by 20 cents. Very like very accurate. And so you you get this kind of picture, a real financial strategy that you can see. And if you track, you'll see the death benefits here, the cash values here at the beginning. They're both growing over time. And if you live to age 121, at least with most companies, that's the age that they're at right now, you would see your death benefit and your cash value be equal. And they'd be way greater than what you started with because you're getting a guaranteed growth backed up by a strong life insurance company that can back up those guarantees of your cash value. And then you're also getting dividends on top of that guaranteed growth that help grow your death benefit, help grow your cash value, really create that what some people call the eighth wonder of the world, uninterrupted compound interest in your favor. Wow. Wow. I love the flexibility and the customization of that. That's really nice that it's not like a one size fits all. It's really like it's setting out your plan, setting out your goals, and then creating something to help you succeed in that. So that's definitely something I wasn't fully aware of how customizable and how unique it is per person. So that's really, really cool. Love that. Yeah. You want to make sure you get something that's customized. There could be some cookie cutter approaches out there. You want to work with a professional that's going to go through all those steps with you. Yeah. And and now is that part of the process? Do you, is um, in order to kind of use that life insurance policy, is that something where we, you would go to your, the life insurance, the person, maybe let's say you, for example, if you helped me with that life insurance policy, or is that like, would you be like, okay, you're my bank. I need to go pull that mortgage out. Or uh, I guess, could you elaborate uh, for the listeners how that process? Yeah. So I'm really a facilitator. Um, I actually am now a certified financial planner. I need to update my bio so that that's said now. Um, And what I do is I create the strategy. I help show you what it looks like, how it fits in, and introduce you to the life insurance company that, um, that would work for you. I work with a handful of them. Again, they're customizable, so I'm matching you. And all of your premiums go to the life insurance company. They don't come through me or uh, bank on yourself. They're, your um, bank on yourself is just the strategy, right? But the product that you're with is with the life insurance company. And then I become customer service, financial ally, coach, help you use the policy because I don't want you calling their customer service and getting somebody that was just trained <clears throat> yesterday and doesn't know what banking yourself is, right? Yeah. I want you to work with somebody that's studied it, that knows it, that knows where you're coming from and can help you figure out, do I take a policy loan? Do I repay a policy loan? Do I pay more in premium? All the questions that come up as you're going through. I love talking those through with folks and making sure that they're remembering those goals and that we're making decisions based on what those goals were initially and how they've changed over time too. So who pays you, Amanda? Yeah, great question. And this is actually one of the biggest criticisms of whole life in general. Dave Ramsey loves to say, well, the only reason a whole life insurance sell whole life is because the commissions are so big. And we do get paid by the life insurance company. They pay us when some we match a new policyholder with them. I will tell you to design it properly, the true bank on yourself designed way, we take about a 50 to 60% commission cut compared with most whole life insurance agents. And there's so much like, <clears throat> there. what's the word I'm looking for? There's so much hate out there about whole life. There's so many people that uh, really rail against it. 
And that's, again, commissions are one of their biggest criticisms. And we had a recent uh, interview that we did with one of our clients on our YouTube channel. And he he teaches salespeople. That's like his job. And he's like, honestly, if you were going to be a salesperson, the last thing you'd want to sell is whole life because it's so hard. I just told you about a whole big process we have to go through and how much customizing and designing we have to do. We can't just throw your numbers into a Monte Carlo simulation and have numbers spit out. That's a lot of work, but it's really honestly, truly worth it for me because I get to see lives changed, family destinies transformed, businesses actually succeed and employ more people. And I don't, I think like, I forget to, oh yeah, I'm getting a commission for this. (laughs) And it does seem like the way you explained it, um, that it's not like you're just there to match the policy and then be done. Like you're the one existing to facilitate that financial plan throughout the life, the the whole life (laughs) of it. So, um, yeah, that's well said. Yeah. And I definitely feel, I think that personally, in my opinion, that that has a lot of value. You know, um, I think it's important, like, if you don't have the info, surround yourself with the people that do, that's, mm-hmm. like, really important right. to build your team. So that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, so I have a question here, which kind of pertains more to um, those of us in real estate and how we would use it, you know, maybe to borrow money. So I'll admit my, my husband and I have used our HELOC for years um, for borrowing money. So out of curiosity, I'm here signing on my phone. So my rate today, it would be 8.85%. So I, I guess what is the comparison? I, I mean, what would you expect from the average, you know, whole life policy right now if you were to borrow from it? Good yeah. Um, so I'm sorry that those variable HELOCs, <laughs> oh, I've been hearing, like I've, some people were up at 9%, now they're down at 7 It can change all the time. Yep. Since... So I started my first bank on yourself policies in 2013. I have colleagues that have been in this industry for much, much longer. Since about 2008, 2009, the policy loan interest rate has been a 5% simple interest, which means it only gets charged once a year. That compounding in your HELOC, right? That happens every month. They're charging you interest and it's real. You feel it. With this, it's only charged once a year on your policy anniversary day. So if on day one of the policy year, you took out $10,000 and you didn't make any loan repayments for the whole year, the next policy anniversary year, you'd see 500 added to your loan balance or you could pay it off um, at once. If you've made payments throughout the year, it actually brings it down. Mm -hmm. We're trying to do like a true apples to apples comparison between simple interest and compound interest like APR in your HELOC. Yes. We see it more like a 2.9% APR is what uh, the true interest is on a bank and yourself policy loan. Now, if they did want to change that, right, interest rates are going up. They might be changing that in the coming months, years. Mm -hmm. Um, They can only change it by small little increments over time. So I think uh, one company I saw, they might be raising their interest rate to 5.35%. Mm-hmm. Very different than jumping from five to six, seven, eight really quickly each month. Well, yeah, I, I know not too long ago, my HELOC was between four and five. And, you know, now it's, it's <laughs> a lot more. Yep. Wow. Great question. Thanks for asking yeah. that. Yeah. So then the small increments that you just talked about, like, are those like, specifically baked into the policy like as the terms yeah they're simple interest 
Yeah, great. I, I love this because you this is a contract, right? This is yeah, uh, right. a life insurance is a contract. Real estate is lots of contracts. So that a lot of people totally. find that really appealing. And baked right. into the contract is a guaranteed growth of your cash value, a guaranteed increase in your <clears throat> cash value each year. Um, and then the opportunity to get dividends on top of that, which dividends are not guaranteed, um, but we only work with companies that have been paying dividends every single year for over 100 years. So they're very predictable. On the flip side, what they say in the contract on the policy loans is that it's the company's set rate with a max. And they'll tell you what the max percentage is. I think with most uh, companies they work with, it's around sure. 8% is the max they could go to. So now we're looking at $800 for that same loan I just described rather than 500. Mm -hmm. And then it says it's actually state law of how much they can increase or decrease the interest by within a set period of time. That's actually regulated by the states. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Very Life insurance, super heavily regulated industry for sure. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So all of this is fantastic, but tell me about um, what are tax liabilities with this? Oh, great question. We have to think about taxes all the time. Under current law, there are ways to create a, a whole life of policy that is not taxable as it grows. Just a savings account, you get a 1099 every year. Um, and you have to, even if you didn't touch the money, you got to pay taxes on it. A whole life that's not true. Um, and the death benefit is also tax-free. Um, and as long as we follow all the tax laws, you can also take policy loans totally tax-free because policy loans are not um, taxable, just like any loan. If you go take out a car loan, you're not going to pay tax on the loan you just got. It's considered the same kind of thing. Nice. Wow. And is that, wow. is that typical for, um, like, it's, it's whole life, but how does that work as far as um, generation to generation? Um, is there anything with that, or does that end with, you or is it because i feel that i've heard things here and there but again I'm not sure so i figured ask the professional yeah um you're talking about estate taxes yeah, and estate kind of taxes the general yeah and yeah and like passing that on or and all that stuff is it typical for a person to get a whole life policy under some kind of llc or is it just personal or yeah it's usually personally owned and right now because the state uh, the estate tax um threshold is so high there uh, there hasn't been a lot of talk about that but it could go back down to where it had been before and though you'll probably hear more people talking about well how do i protect from estate taxes because even though the death benefit isn't income taxable yeah. to your beneficiary it is included as part of your estate and could be taxed at the estate level um but there's ways to get around that. One of the most common is that people, if as they get older, if they decide, I don't, I don't think I need to use the cash value as much anymore, or mm -hmm. I want to protect this death benefit from estate taxes, they'll actually put it in a irrevocable okay. living trust. Mm -hmm. So then it's outside their estate, it's outside of their control. So when they pass away, um, it's not included in their estate. You got to be really careful with that, work with an attorney, all that kind of fun stuff. But there are ways to even avoid the estate taxes. So uh, I just had an idea. Could another avenue be, say, we're getting closer to the time that you see you're not going to need much cash value, but you're, the, the death benefit is rather high that could be taxable. Could then, let's say it's my policy, I decide to take a very large loan and therefore it's not taxable and then so when i pass 
that t- tell me how that happens if I don't pay that loan back and because it's not taxable, then I could move that money to maybe an heir. And then then how could that affect? I mean, is, the, is that a way to kind of strategically work around it? Yeah, you want to be careful. Of course, all the pe- the rich people of the past have ruined that for us by doing <laughs> similar things. And then the IRS comes in and passes a new thing. Um so, because there's like look back periods where things get mm-hmm. included in your estate within a certain time frame. So, but you, um, but let's say you have a million dollar life insurance policy, and you actually take five hundred out, and you go buy some real estate that's going to appreciate um, dramatically before you plan to pass away, and then you know your heirs are going to get that step up in basis. So you have that five hundred thousand out. You don't make any loan repayments, and you pass away. Instead of your heirs getting the million dollars, they would get five hundred thousand because they're going to repay that policy loan first. But they also get that building, or you know, that you just bought with that five hundred thousand. Nice. That's nice. Wow. So sticking to the taxes. So what about the interest on the loans, like a HELOC that's tax deductible? Is that is that the same or? Yeah, great. Um, thanks for asking. So this is we're going to get a little deep dive here. Get your scuba gear on. <laughs> um, I, they, you know, they changed the <laughs> they changed the HELOC rules where it's only tax deductible if you're using it for specific purposes, right? So you got to be careful right. with that. But what here's what I do: talk to your CPA, your enrolled agent, mm-hmm. to make sure this works for you. So I have an LLC. When I I keep my policies personally held. And when I want to use a policy loan to do something for my business, I will actually take the policy loan into my personal bank account, transfer it to my business bank account as an owner, a loan from the owner to the business. Mm -hmm. Like a capital contribution. Yeah. And then the business will repay that loan with interest. And of course, then I'll repay my policy loan. But that interest gets taxed differently than W-2 income or owner's distributions. And so I can, uh, you know, kind of play that game a little bit. Um, It might not work if you have a different type of entity, those kind of things. So that's why I say follow up with your uh, tax professional to make sure that that works for you, too. Awesome. Sounds like there's lots of options for sure and lots of benefits to... um, definitely looking into this at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not I'm afraid to share the cons too. Do you want to hear a con? That was going to be my sure. next question. Sure. What, what's okay. the hurdle that you, that yeah. you typically hear most? Yeah. So this is life insurance. Um, it does have upfront costs to get started. So if you put in a dollar today, you're not going to have a dollar that you can loan out tomorrow like you would with a savings account. Um, and that's true for the first several years of the policy. Um, we like to think of it kind of like a business or even sometimes in real estate, you've got to wait a couple years for the profits to come to you. And it has that upfront cost. Um, you're going to experience that with whole life as well, regardless of how well we design it. There's just always upfront cost. There's one very particular policy that we try, that are very minimal um, in terms of those costs, but they're still there. You know, you could put in a hundred thousand and maybe have eighty or ninety thousand that you could use right away, rather than the full hundred thousand. Is that kind of like the average? Could you give us like an average percent to the sum? If our listeners are thinking about starting whole life, so they know like how much they will need to use for something, but they want to have their money working for them twice. What can they plan with that? Like mm-hmm. the. 
the thing I was actually just telling somebody yesterday who is like, we're here at the end of 2022 and he's thinking mm -hmm. there could be a big bubble burst. I need to keep a hundred percent of my money available. Yeah. What I told him is this doesn't have to be your only policy and we can play around with how we design it. So you tell me of the cash that you have available right now, if for the long-term benefits, how much would you give up in terms of that cost of insurance? And maybe I can get that for you. But the more the upfront cash value, typically the less growth you're gonna see long-term. Whereas uh -huh. the, um, if you're able to make a little more sacrifice upfront, um, you can get better growth long-term. So we kind of balance those two things. And that's part of why you have to work with a professional. You have to get the custom design because then we'll know is the here and now more important? Is the long term more important? How do we want to balance those two? That and timing is everything too, right? Like um, it might be that uh, you wait six months or a year before starting. We never rush people into it either. And how long does it take to set up a policy and have that money um that would be available as cash out liquidity. How quickly does that usually happen? Yeah, if you're starting from scratch with an, a discovery call with me, it's gonna be at least a month just cause that's how our process goes in terms of the conversations we need to have to make sure we're getting the, the right policy for you. And then it could take another month or two, depending on the life insurance company, how many other policies they're reviewing to approve, all that kind of thing. Um, so it, it does take some time. Um, and even if it went really fast, even after you're approved, it's in your court. You can say, well, I still want to wait a day or a month to get started. You get to decide uh, because it's back in your court to make that final decision at that point. And then to so, cash the cash back out. So how quickly, let's say I want to make a draw. How quickly does that process take? Is that a month? Yeah. Great question. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the minute you see a, the first premium clear the bank, you could request a policy loan right away. Again, not of a hundred percent of what you put in typically, but a portion of it. And once that loan request is received, we say it can take a week to two weeks. We used to say five to seven days, but during the pandemic, it stretched out to two weeks. So now we say a week to two weeks, just so so many people sick or working from home. Um, uh, but then you'd see those funds back in your bank account uh, right away. And the funds I already put in my policy, they're still working for me. So my dollar, $1 is working for me twice if I yep. reinvest that other dollar. Yep. You got it still growing in the policy and what a, whatever real estate or syndication you did with it, it's growing there too. And um, you get your money doing two things at once. Wow. So if I understand that clearly, let's say a person put a hundred, just for round numbers, a hundred grand into that um, life insurance, the whole life policy, you know, two months in, they take out 80, invest that passively, that their whole life is still growing as if it was 100,000 in there. Yep. Wow, that's, that's what I had thought you were saying. I just wanted clarification because that's really yeah. fabulous. That really is. Um, that's, that's great. That's really cool. I was unaware. I know as a business owner, it's, um, uh, you know, I, I personally have uh, one of these policies because to get a line of credit on a business, even though my business has been in business for 30 years, they, it's still very, very hard. And I heard mm -hmm. on podcasts 
about uh, a gentleman who had a line of credit that was immediately pulled and he had to come up with a million dollars for his business. Mm. And he found whole life and did a whole life policy. So he became his own bank doing his own line of credit for his business. And that, that's how I got it started in whole life was because of that. That's awesome. Good point. You never, we don't know how much banks control our lives until something goes wrong. I had, I have some clients who are immigrants and uh, one of these big national banks just said, we're closing your accounts. Sorry, we, we can't do business with you. Something about their immigration status or who knows what it was. And they were so thankful that all they had to do is find a new bank, but their cash was in a whole life policy and they could have the transfers and stuff from that new bank and then have to worry about uh, things as much. Wow. That's, that's lots to think about so much you don't think about. And then that's where educating yourself about these types of things is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess, um, what would be the biggest hurdle for, let's say a person that did have, you know, a hundred grand, for example, and they were ready to put that into a passive investment. Um, what's the reasons that, or the hurdles that they would see if they wanted to first put that into a whole life policy and then kind of invest a little less into something like a passive investment? What's the biggest mm -hmm. hurdles that they would see? Yeah, the thing I hear the most often question-wise or concern-wise is what about my age or what about my health? Mm -hmm. um, some people believe they're too young or too old or they're, they have so much medical history, could they get approved? We always like to remind people that we work with people from age 18 all the way to 80 and above. Um, age is not a concern here. Obviously, the younger people might get bigger death benefits than the older people. Um, my mom started a policies when she was in her 60s with a different bank and yourself professional because I wasn't in this industry yet. Um, never too late to get started. And then also, you'd be surprised at how much they will approve even with health history. Um, my mom had already had a stroke, for example, before she got a policy. She's given me permission to share that on publicly. So. Um, <laughs> And then, um, we, yeah, but also if there is major medical issues, you, there it's un, impossible to get insurance on you as the individual. You, ca you can get insurance on any insurable interest. That could be a close family member or it could be a business partner. Um, and they become the insured, the person whose life you know, is being insured by the life insurance policy, but you get to stay the okay. owner, which means you control the cash, the premiums, the loan requests, oh. the loan repayments, and you name the beneficiaries still. Um, and there's been lots of people that have employed that strategy over time um, sure. for all kinds of various reasons. Sometimes they just have too much life insurance on their own selves that they have to start moving to other people. Uh, Pamela Yellen, the one that coined the term bank on yourself, she has over 20 policies. Not all of those are on herself. She kind of maxed out at some point and had to start opening them on others too. Wow. And then of course you get the hurdle if you have to ask that person, right? So sometimes <laughs> it's a spouse, you can do that easy, but sometimes a brother, a sister, a parent, <laughs> a child, you can, that's a, a conversation to have. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's good to know. The biggest hurdle is really just whether your health, really. Other than that, yeah. there's no other financial timing hurdles, but that's that's awesome. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. 
So you mentioned that you, you weren't in this. So um, what led you to this? Like this being, you know, it, cause you, you mentioning about like, Oh, I get to earn a commission for the, so it looks like you, and I can feel that you have a passion for this and you love what you do. Yeah. I had started my own business at the ripe old age of what would that have been? 24 writing my first business plan. We opened to the public when I was uh, 26, just before I turned 27. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I, um, Love Susie Orman. She was my gal. I had her books. I read all of her things. I'd even helped my mom get out of credit card debt when I was in junior high because I didn't know it was supposed to be hard. I just sat her down at the kitchen table and we did it. So I always thought I knew everything about money. And then I was introduced to this bank and yourself concept through an amazing man named Mark Willis. Um, and I was just like, wait a minute. I thought I knew everything. Why didn't anyone ever teach me this before? And it really woke me up to how much we were really on the edge. We'd started this business. It looked like it was doing well, but if you really dug into the finances, one you know major thing going wrong would just close the business. We'd have to file bankruptcy. Who knows how much debt we'd be in, You know all those kind of things. And he really worked with us over time to walk back from that edge. And thankfully, because... We had such a hard time in the business. We went through a flood, We, you know, all these things. And I found I was pregnant at the same time. <laughs> so it was like a big thing. And we got through it. We were able to sell that business. And they were thinking, well, what do we do now? We're, we're selling this business. We're unemployable, honestly, because we're so entrepreneurial. What are we going to do? And thankfully, Mark was looking for people to mentor, to uh, take on and expand the revolution uh, and at first it was like, well, maybe you're a little too entrepreneurial to work in the financial sector. But um, my husband is a little more entrepreneurial. I like to kind of stay in the box a little bit. So we decided to go all in and I keep reining him back. Sometimes we got to worry about compliance, you know, the financial box we have to be in. And he keeps coming up with yes. awesome branding and content ideas. And we have a lot of fun. So it changed our lives first. And that's really why we were even open to it when Mark suggested it. And it, I just, I found this is what I was born to do without even knowing it. I grew up, my parents were on welfare when I was born. My mom went back to college in her 30s. I didn't know what a financial professional was, what a certified financial planner. Never heard of that until I met Mark. And it's just, I want to make all of this more accessible to normal, everyday, average Americans. Oh, it's beautiful. That is it's awesome. Yeah. And that's, I feel like there's a lot of things too that we kind of even haven't touched on, like the benefits of just life insurance on a whole. I know for me, um, you know, I have a daughter, one on the way, and it's like my husband and I don't, when we're self-employed, so we don't have a health insurance or really um, a life insurance or any type of that type of estate planning. And it's like super high on our 2023 list to get done. And um, just the, the, the comfort you feel knowing that like, let's say something does happen to me, like, everything is going to be okay with all of our business and all that um, and having that life insurance. So I think it's, I think there's so much value to that security and of life insurance on a whole, especially for someone who doesn't have one through work or any of that other stuff that uh, yeah. is just really, really great. <laughs> yeah. Important. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You know, money doesn't buy happiness, but it certainly can buy peace of mind. If we yeah. have money sitting in the bank, it provides us with peace of mind. If we have peace of mind, then we're then we are more available 
emotionally to everyone else around us instead of being stressed out and worried about it. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely more about the freedom and the flexibility than the actual finances and the stuff. Stuff really yep. that in the end. <laughs> yeah. We love to remind people the wealth in our name of our business isn't just money. Wealth is in all areas of our lives. And if we can use money as the tool to help achieve that uh, prosperity in our relationships, our spirits, our emotions, our mental health, all those things. Awesome. I love that. I love That's beautiful. Yeah. I love the concept of thinking you can create peace of mind and you can pursue your dreams of investing in whatever it is that you want to do at the same time. It's like, you know, it's not one or the other. And th this is just one avenue of a way to possibly make that happen. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Oh, well, well said. Yeah. And this has been so great. Um, Amanda, if our listeners want to kind of learn more about you and what you do, uh, what's the best way that, for them to reach you? Yeah. Everything's on our website, wealthwisdomfp.com. That's wealthwisdomfp for financialpartners.com. We also have a great podcast uh, wherever you listen to this, you can check it out, Wealth Wisdom Financial Podcast, uh, or check us out on YouTube, Wealth Wisdom Financial. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and since, you know, time's ticking away here for this episode, um, we love, but we like to end each podcast with a thought provoking, like pick a quote of the day. Um, it's a fun little game. Tamara's going to have three cards. And if you could, um, choose a number from one to three, one through three, and, um, then that will have a quote. And then we just love to chat about that quote and, um, see what your thoughts are on, uh, whatever quote it is that comes up, I guess we'll see. Great. I'm going to choose three. Okay. So number three. So um, wealth is not about having a lot of money. It's about having a lot of options. Chris Rock. And what, I mean, <laughs> we were already talking about So it's like, now I would like typically say, so how does that resonate with you? <laughs> you can elaborate on what you already said. <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'll talk about the options part of that um, sure, because yeah. a, a flexibility is so important. One of my like big ahas this year, I was thinking about flexibility and options and I realized the reason we don't have dinosaurs on planet Earth isn't because an asteroid hit the Earth. It's because they couldn't adapt. They couldn't change. They weren't ready, right? We still have bumblebees. Bumblebees were here when the dinosaurs were here because they could adapt, they could change. Now, hopefully they continue to be able to live or we adapt so that they can live. Um, but that's like, that's really what wealth provides me is the ability to adapt. We don't know what the economy is gonna be like. We don't know what real estate's gonna be like in 10, 15 years. But if we're building true wealth, we know we're going to be able to adapt to the changing environment. We have options as the environment changes. Well said. That's awesome. Such a great way to look at um, options, just the ability to give yourself flexibility to have options. That's, that's awesome. You've left me speechless. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody listening to this podcast knows that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's so encompassing. It's awesome. <laughs> we, that's the kind of stuff we share on our podcast. So that if you want, if you like where that came from, <laughs> listen to our, our podcast. Yeah, definitely. 
Anybody else want to add words of wisdom or, or insight on that? For <laughs> I mean, I think she summed it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we really enjoyed having you here today, Amanda. It was great to learn about whole life insurance. It's something that, you know, the, even the four of us have discussed that we just all didn't know a lot about. So I'm, I'm sure our listeners got a lot of value out of that too. And they've learned some, some new little tidbits that they didn't know. And, you know, hopefully if they're interested, they can reach out to you and get a policy started. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.